Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. Welcome, guys. Today, we got a special guest, my coach, John Burke. He is the founder of Richmond County Jiu-Jitsu, 2000 Highland Boulevard in Staten Island. Great man. I love him. I love training under him. And yeah, today we're going to talk about gym life as well as the UFC yesterday and whatever else comes abroad. Yeah. My first question for you, John, what's your lineage under? You're on the Henzo Gracie tree, right? Yeah, I'm on Henzo Gracie tree. So I got my, I got promoted to black belt from Joe Capizzi and Celcio Venicus. So I originally started jujitsu with Joe Capizzi and Edgar Trutan in, I'm going to say 2007. Oh, okay. And then- and I'm going to say I got promoted to black belt in 2016. Nice. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's it's been a journey. You know, like I'm going to say like the majority, a lot of the guys that I started with, it's funny. I went through like a picture of like the guys I started with and like who was around, who wasn't around, who started over like the course of like a couple of years after versus who started around the same time as me. And there was... It, it, it's interesting to see like how many people you come across that just totally leave the sport and how many people and I'm going to say like at one point in time at Capizzi's, which was Henzo Gracie's Staten Island, which is now defunct. He's down in Henzo Gracie Gainesville. Now it was interesting to see how many people became black belts underneath Capizzi. At one point in time, you could walk into Capizzi's on like a Saturday or, you know, like, a Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever the case was. And there could be like 10 black belts on the mat just to do battle with. And it was awesome, you know? And I I love absolutely loved that type of vibe because it was like higher level roles and we would just try to kill each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are most of those guys still practicing now? Are A they still local perhaps or? So, some of them. I'm going to say like I get like a steady like five to six guys that, that – trained with Joe coming through on a regular basis. And then, you know, there's, there's certain guys that moved away. There's certain guys that are now just in different parts of their life. You know, uh, you know, life happens when you do jujitsu. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't love the sport. It just means other things take precedence. You're fit, you know, who has young children, who has a different type of job, who has to, to go away. And, you know, jujitsu is definitely not easy on on your body in any way (laughs) (laughs) literally my left arm for the last couple months but especially the last two weeks is just tingly like every time i bump into it it's just tingly and i'm like oh i don't know if this is good but then every time i go to the gym and someone's like you want to roll it i'm like okay let's roll light (laughs) like it's still not used and i'm like how am i gonna not but see you're using Um, adcc code you know, you're like, yeah, let's roll light. But like everybody else, it's like, I'm not taking it. That's no mercy, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm yep. Like you have to, you have to pick and choose the people that you're going to roll with. If you're going to say like, let's roll light. <laughs> mm-hmm. Arturo would always, Arturo would always bring up too for like, I don't know. Cause he's the one that got me into this sport and he would always be like, oh, injuries. And I always had this young mentality of like, I don't get injured. And I always felt like in my head. If I said I'm not going to get injured, I'm not going to get injured. And then this last year, I started to feel old. And then if this was three years ago, I wouldn't be coming to the gym because I'd be like, I'm hurt. So I'm going to take a few weeks off. 
Yes. But I'm like, Arturo's in my head where it's like, well, I'll never advance and everyone's in pain. So I can't choose my pain over. The, yeah, uh, I just, it, I mean, it must like, be like Machado has one hand. You know what I mean? Look what he does. Like, there's people doing like <laughs> crazy things. I'm like, yeah, my shoulder's been hurt for two months, but I'm like, I can work around it. Like, just figure it out. Like, no one cares, yes. you know? Yes. So this, no becomes, this becomes the issue. Like, when you train jujitsu, there's always a fine line that you tap dance around of how hurt am I versus what I'm capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And if, if you only show up on the days where you feel good, it's like, oh, great. Like, I feel great today. But I would probably show up like once every three months, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that just becomes one of those things where it's like it, it, it's not it's not something that is viable for you. You can't you can't train like that on a regular basis. You can't say like, oh, OK, like I'm going to train when I'm 100 percent. You know, my my mom, when I was younger, like I, I, I wanted to take a sick day. I was definitely playing hooky. I didn't, I didn't want to fuck. I didn't want to go to school that day, whatever. The <laughs> case was. My mom was just relentless about education. I like almost everything I am as a human being can be attributed to my mother and the human being she is. So like, I'm, I learned not to be nice to myself. So like when it came down to like taking a sick day, I don't take sick days. I, it, it doesn't really happen when my mom saw that i was trying to take that sick day she was like i'll let you get away with it this one time she's like but the world does not care that you are sick and that you don't feel well so get up and go do it and basically that's been kind of like the way that i treated myself i've been injured i've popped shoulders i've popped there's definitely like a a long-term problem with my right shoulder years ago (laughs) I'm going to tell you years ago when I was a blue belt, I had a, I had like backpack position on somebody and he dropped backwards and the shoulder attachment got popped in my shoulder. And, you know, like it just became one of those things of, okay, like I'm just going to go to the gym and see what happens. And it's been like that basically every day since then. (laughs) Do you think, do you think that can be developed in like the average gym member? How do you think, I, yeah, like, how do you think that comes about? Do you think that's like the experience? And like, I, I don't know, like, I've always had like a hard time wrestling it, like, because it seems like the experienced people have that mentality, but it also yes. might just be like the people with that mentality are the ones that are just able to last the longest and get the most experience. Exactly. Yeah. But yes. I wonder, like, yeah. can, can that be taught? Like, I, I don't know. Like, should, should we uh, as practitioners be trying to get people in that mindset? I don't, I don't know that that's the case. So like this, this becomes that fine line of soft tissue damage versus long-term damage. Sure. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and that becomes, that becomes like one of those things where like I had a, an issue with my knee several months ago and I just, you know, like I just wear a knee brace prophylactically until like the issue with my knee starts to dissipate, but I still train the entire time. I'll still work with it. It'll just be one of those things where I'll humor a different side of my body. And like to the layman, that becomes one of those things that it's not necessarily the easiest thing to teach somebody. If you have like, let's put it this way. I don't fight for my life every single time I train. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, like there, there's the black belts training, which is like, oh, okay. Like you can, you can choose to train with a lower belt, in which case you're just kind of like taking it easy or you're training with black belts. And you, you can always tell like one of your friends, like maybe tonight's not the hardest rounds, 
You know what I'm saying? But a lot, you know, because there are times where like black belts, <laughs> black belts, we kill each other. But like the, you know, like there are also the times where we definitely are like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe today is not not the day. You know. And if you have an injury, we're better at humoring each other for it because mm-hmm. we understand it's you're not going to win every single round. Today doesn't matter. It's really your long term longevity that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it is just what a matter you- of, I don't know, maybe, do we get that knowledge? Because I think we learn a lot about our bodies in jujitsu in terms of like what is actual pain that we should be backing off of and what is workable. Maybe that experience enables us to understand that a little bit more. But I don't know. There was there was one time I told a noob just recently, I was rolling with a guy, another brown belt. I hit, I hit a switch on him and his shoulder popped and out of his socket, like he had to put it back in stone-faced i guess his shoulder slips out every now and again puts it back in and wants to continue rolling and i'm like no 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 no. you gotta like you gotta chill (laughs) and then there's another guy that's just sitting off to the side i'm like hey man you okay he's like nah man this thing in my hand really hurts i'm like bobby just popped his shoulder dude get back on the mat your hand hurts like in the middle of your palm get in there dude like it's just so funny to see that difference yeah, there's there's definitely an issue between those two. I mean, like I have I have a long term shoulder issue. If I fall asleep at night during the middle of the night, I'll wake up and put my shoulder back in. Oh, it'll be, and then I'm back at it. You know, I get to go back to. So it's it, but but it's just depend upon if you know, like I'm gonna say, jujitsu also taught me how I have to sleep nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm Do not you guys doing, like, think so? I'm What's sorry. That? Do you guys think though, like 90% of people that are listening to this will be like, oh, I can never do that. Like, you know, yeah. and so then do you think then they go, I'm just not gonna do it? No, like, do no, you think you know could us, teach... you know we're not like 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 super or anything, like just it's people, like people do this. Yes. I, I mean, so like this becomes the, the that thing where like if you you know, like that that meme of you know, like when you see the guy that's like 50 or 60 years old and it's like John who's been been doing jujitsu for three years. You know, <laughs> 28 years old or whatever, but something year old man, you know, it's not really like that. You know, over the course of so many years, you can get soft tissue damage and it can accumulate a little bit, you know, and it, it becomes one of those things where I've stayed away from getting like my shoulder operated on that. My, my shoulder issue had probably happened, you know, well over 10 years ago. And it just becomes one of those things where if I chose to go get it operated on, I know I would be off the mat and I would have a different type of life than what I have right now. So I just choose not to go down that, that avenue right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So so, I I would also contend though, Anoop, that like whatever sport you're getting into over 10 years, you're accumulating some damage from any sport. Right. And I would even go a step further. Like maybe you play softball, maybe you play soccer and jujitsu you can go hard. Like most times your training is probably you're going hard. Like the amount of times, like you're at full intensity or at least a very high intensity is pretty regular. If you did that intensity with those other sports, I might argue you're hurt even more. Yes. So like, I I, I don't, I think people should consider that if they've never done jujitsu, especially if there's striking involved in, especially if there's, you know, hard you know muscle tears or anything else like that if if you if you get clobbered probably 10 times wearing football gear and you just get clipped 10 times really hard 
you're probably going to the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was it, watching something on Hey Otani, the baseball player, and mm-hmm. he's like 6'4", 250, best player since Babe Ruth. And then I didn't really know so much about his history from like 2019 to 21, but like he hurt his knee twice. He hurt his elbow a bunch of times. And I'm like, this guy's built like a God and he's also getting injured. So maybe it's just one of those things that's inevitable and you must just keep moving forward. Yeah, I, I think it's okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's obviously not though. the goal, but it's going to happen. And it's okay. No, I think the soft tissue is definitely going to happen. I, and yeah. I, it's definitely not something you want long-term wise, but mm-hmm. it's I'm going to say, like, if you look at people that are relative to my age, I'm 43 years old. Most people don't walk around looking very fit or anything else. (laughs) They're chubby. They already lost their range of motion to things. Mm -hmm. And they lost their range of motion to to having fun. They lost their range of motion to lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's that's a huge difference anyways. Because you, you're you're not really experiencing life if you're couch surfing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Totally so yeah. to kind of go into you as a business owner with the school, how do you, how about this? What, what made you, what prompted you to decide to open up a school? Okay. So 20, 2021, I was looking for something to do. Basically, so I don't want to go like very far into the backstory, but basically I made a, a little bit of money trading stock options and I wanted to make a, a, you know, like I wanted to do something different. So I basically was like, Oh, like, let me look for something else to do as far as like jujitsu goes, because I love jujitsu, but there weren't any schools that were open following COVID on Staten Island, you know, like, and it was very like underground still. So, you know, like everybody was like training with like three, four people or anything else like that. And I was like, you know, what? I think that COVID's over. So like, let me just go open up a place. So I started like looking for spaces and that was basically how I wound up, Hmm. you know, getting into the business. And I'm going to say like, if somebody else is out there listening to this, it is totally the worst bet of my life, (laughs) 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 the worst bet of my life, because like, I like, I like lopsided bets, you know, like I like a bet that's like a small amount of money and you can turn that into a a decent amount of money or whatever the case is. I definitely do jujitsu because I love Mm jujitsu, you know, and running a, running a school. I love jujitsu. I love teaching. I love being able to be on the mats and I love being able to experience like people and seeing growth in them and stuff like that. And there, there is a ton of growth in human beings and like you get to know other, other humans in a different way. So that part I love and the other, and the other parts of running the business, you know, I never thought some of the things that, that you do running a jujitsu school, I would ever wind up doing because you Mm. never get through. You don't, you're not thinking about, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm cleaning up, some kids piss in the bathroom tip or, you know, like just, just so many different things, <laughs> you know, so, it's definitely a labor of love as far as that part goes. But aside from that, it's wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I've always thought that uh, the b- business side can definitely be hard. I, I, I would imagine I haven't ran a business or anything like that, but I would imagine that you're making a connection with a lot of people in, I would say in almost an intimate way, like you can really get to know someone not just in terms of just like how often you're seeing them or the frequency, but like 
rolling with people, understanding how their brain works and how they sequence things and what they joke about, their sense of humor. You could really get to know someone. And then I don't know, maybe like the average member is around for, I don't know, a year, two years. Like it's hard to say what the average is, but then they go. And so when you have such a deep connection with some people and to see them leave the gym can be really heartbreaking. It could be hard to not take that personally, at least from what I've seen for some people. Do you feel like you've experienced that yourself? Yeah, I've definitely experienced that. I've, I've had it where like, you know, I've, I've lost friends to jujitsu, you know, I've lost friends to opening a business and having that business. I've lost, you know, you, you definitely lose people along the way as far as like, who's going to be there, who's not there, who's going to go train somewhere else, who's dissatisfied with the things that they're doing. But like, it becomes one of those things, you know, and this is like one of my biggest things is I consistency is the biggest thing in your life. And if you're not being consistent and you're not working on what it is that you want to work on, you're not going to develop into what you want or what you need. And you always have to be examining like wh- what you are, or what you're doing. And it's like a lot of, like, for instance, I know a new, you record, you know, you record your roles or whatever the case is. And there are definitely times where I have recorded my roles and I'll go home and I'll look at them. And it's not to just specifically critique, you know, what I'm doing right, because that's not what I look for with me. I look at what did, what was I not doing? Was I not, you know, from a stand-up perspective, was I not hand fighting enough? Was I not doing this enough? Was I not doing that enough? And being able to take those things and dissect portions of like your game or what it is you're doing that start to better. And a lot of people don't realize that like, when you first start off with jujitsu, you're starting off with a very small amount of information. And, you know, as a coach, my goal is to get you up and running as fast as possible. Like, I want you to be good. I want, I want you to kick my ass, you know, like for all intents and purposes. I want you to be able to give me a good role because if you're not giving me a good role, it's not fun for me in all reality, you know, like, that, those are the best. Those are the best. Like when you have somebody that can give you like a a fight that's that's makes you fight for your life a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those are the those are the best roles. You and you you walk out of there and you're like, oh, that was great. And those people a lot of times become your best training partners. Yep. You know, you want that. You want that person. And a lot of times, like it helps if you have guys that are around the same levels. A lot of times, I've recognized that if I have you know, several white belts that are all part of the same group. And they all, you know, like I have a thing where like I, I, a lot of drilling, like I, I try to get these guys to drill on a regular basis because I think it helps develop your skill level quicker. And, you know, so like if you, if you're drilling stuff, it, it helps you. And those guys that are sticking together within that group, I definitely recognize that they're the ones that are sticking around more. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's that. <laughs> yeah. I think this was a good experience for me because I've trained at a couple of gyms and I always just felt new and like a little like, oh shit, this is scary. Like first day of school. And I liked being part of your gym from the very beginning because it felt it. a little bit like a, like, oh, we're starting school together, you know, like, and everybody was kind of like, oh, white belt, blue belt, like, and we're like, all right, we're kind of, we're in it. And then we also had, it was like very top heavy with like a lot of the black belts. So we were getting like really good one-on-one coaching and 
yeah, it's nice seeing the classes that form, you know, and now like I always try to tell the new people like, oh, give it six months, you know, like at least put yourself in that much time. And then by that time, there'll be another couple new people. And then you've got your group, your training partners that you kill together. It's true. It's very true. Like if you can get several people in together, it definitely does help. But that also, that also is one of those things where you start to recognize people's personalities, you know, because you'll, you'll be like, Oh, like, I think that this guy would be okay. Or that guy's going to be all right. But there are definitely personality attributes to people that are not going to show up again. Mm. You know, like there are definitely people that walk through the door and you, 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 you experience their first day with them and you're like, that guy is not going to be okay with getting his ass kicked. <laughs> because when you first start off, you fail so much. You, you just fail, you know, you fail and you fail and you fail. And it's like, what's, hey, that what's was the thing? You, what's the thing that you see that you go, Oh, that's like, you don't think they're going to come. Like what's that attribute? Sometimes, sometimes it could be like too great of a love for themselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That makes any sense. Like you, you can definitely tell like a person that that really likes themselves a lot versus you know like some other people. And that that doesn't mean that that the people that stick around don't like themselves. That just means <laughs> people out there that are are their biggest fans. You know, <laughs> and there are other guys that you'll say like, oh, like this guy seems like like he's going to come back because you can see like he's peaked. That interest is peaked in them. And you're like, mm -hmm. that guy's going to be coming back through this door. And you just know like from, from, and I can almost guarantee it within the course of like the intro class that I could give somebody, I can tell if somebody's going to come walking back through that door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You I should wonder, get more perceptive of like, you can see almost like a thirst in them. Like they're thirsty for that knowledge. They're thirsty for like understanding like what just happened to them. Versus like That's, seeing the body language of just someone that looks completely defeated. You probably just get better and better at reading that over time too. So like one of the things I've geared away from while somebody walks through the door is like making them roll on their very first day. Mm -hmm. I, I don't make people roll on their very first day. And, you know, like I feel like that can be very defeating. You know, I, 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 yeah, it's overwhelming. I've had it where like when I first started jujitsu, the, the ass whooping I took the very first day was, it was, it was real. I took a real ass whooping. I came from doing Muay Thai. I came from boxing and I walked through the door and I caught the softest ass whooping I had ever taken in my life. It was gentle. It was the gentlest ass whooping. And I was like, wait, what the hell just happened to me? And I walked out the door and I went back the next day just to make sure it happened. You know, like I was like, mm. wait, like, yep. <laughs> want to try that again because i think it's a fluke but then like i i walked through that door and i was like no like this i'm hooked on this because this is the truth because it 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 it's like you're you're realizing like this is the science behind fighting you know positional control matters more than you know a lot of other things mm -hmm. and so like you now i have it where when people come in i try to walk them through a position like uh depend upon like what I'm doing specifically that day, a lot of times I'll try and make it so like the person's doing like, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start it off with the choking mechanism from a rear naked. Cause everybody loves to do a rear naked. It's like, Oh, like this is what this sport's known for. So I'll teach somebody how to do a rear naked. Then from the rear naked, I'll teach them like two steps back. So this is how I, I pass, I pass past your legs to score 
like a seatbelt position and take your back. Cool. No problem. So like we, we do a chair sit, back take, choke. Okay, no problem. And then I'll take them one step back from there. So you're doing like a single leg. So from their whole lesson for the day will be like, I single legged somebody. I learned how to take them down, get past their legs, chair sit, take their back and choke that person. So that way they're leaving with a complete overall lesson. Even if they never did jujitsu before, they feel like, hey, like I built a house technically. Like mm -hmm. I, I saw like a progression. It's not just some sort of hypothetical thing where like if you or I we were like studying the reverse De La Hiva, you're looking at that position going, well, today we're going to do Kiss of the Dragon. And it's like, wait, where the hell does this occur? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that, as as like martial artists, once you delve into something, it becomes when when you're speaking, it's like, I can't have that conversation over here. You're mm -hmm. not even you're not even on that level. So like, let's go over here and let's let's play in, in the in the in the small pool. Right. You know? So would so, you say, uh, yeah, because I mean, I, I started training not far off from when you started training too, and things were definitely different back then. You see nowadays, there'll be more like white belt classes and then like higher belt classes or something like that. Do you believe in that delineation? Like, like how do you run it at your gym per se? I don't specifically have a separation between the two. Okay. Some of that's based upon membership and some of that is definitely based upon what I think needs to happen sometimes. I definitely believe everybody needs core. Mm -hmm. you know not you don't need you don't need to delve into the to the deepest pool all the time you don't need to and there are definitely times where i will separate and go this is for my more advanced guys and this is this is what my less advanced guys are doing you know because i i think that that's super important too but i always try to teach maybe a takedown you're going through tech time and then you're going into rolling you know, so like it's, but that's very much based upon what I'm covering for that month or maybe six weeks out, you know, depending upon like, if I'm doing like a back series, if I'm doing front headlock series, if I'm doing, you know, guard retention stuff. And then there's always like your basic drills, you know, because everybody has just basic drills for warm up or whatever the case is, but not everybody needs that, that separation. And a lot of times with the more advanced guys, the more advanced guys come and hang out with me or like the, a few of the other guys that are at the gym versus they're not even like looking to snack on the charcuterie board at the other side of white belts. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, that, that's, that's not the funnest role in the world, you know? And I think there's just a good environment at the gym anyway. Like anybody that's been like a black belt, they're always just like teaching you, you know, and they want to learn and they want you to get better. Maybe in the well, past. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, in the past, you guys were saying just how when somebody new walks in, they fucking smash them. Where I think people are a little bit friendlier now and they're thinking business wise too. They're like, I don't want to smash this kid and have him not yes. come to the gym. You know, like, <laughs> let's bring him in. <laughs> like, because otherwise that's just mean, you know? Yeah. When I started, I felt like just everyone had to pay their dues. Like, it was just like you had to earn your way to the mat and you're just like, just got crushed for like two straight years, just smashed. I know. And then you're like, exactly I can't believe that I just did it. And then, yeah, like how, how, the expectation for like people to do that. And you're like, yeah, things have definitely gotten better. <laughs> there, there was definitely a winter where I couldn't shovel snow because my arms hurt so bad from being arm locked all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was like two years in. I was like, why am I doing this? Like I almost quit six months in. Mm -hmm. I almost quit six months into my jujitsu journey. And it was because like, 
I had come from boxing. I come from doing stamp. You know, I trained Muay Thai. I was like, I was good at those things. Why am I doing this to myself? You know, I enjoyed that. But like, I really enjoyed jujitsu and I'm not, I'm not necessarily somebody that takes quitting something lightly. So it became one of those, okay, like I uh, uh, just give it time, just give it time, give it time. And like, you know, the day that you catch like your first submission on somebody that peaks, you know, that there's different levels of your jujitsu journey. It's like, oh, like I caught somebody in a triangle. The first time you put somebody to sleep, you'll remember that. The first time you do this, the first time you do that. And like, you know, there's like, there's monuments along the way that help, help keep you there. You know, and sometimes it's also the friends that you make, you know. Do you have a peak moment, like a monument that you're like, oh, like once you did that, like that was, you were going to be there forever, like that you look back on? I think that like, I never expected to get a black belt. I, I think like I never trained to get a black belt. I just kept training. I just kept showing up. And like, I didn't realize that, you know, cause there weren't all these memes or any of this other stuff back then. It wasn't like there was something <laughs> to guide you along or like anything else like that. If you just stopped showing up one day, like it, that was kind of on you. And back then there was not like all this self-help stuff. That's that, you know, like, the memes of keep going. Yeah. Or this or that. It was just kind of like you, you didn't show up. That was on you. Like, you, cool. No problem. Th- th- this sport didn't need you, you know, it was just kind of like, all right, whatever. But n- the thing that I love in a different way is like nowadays are people that do ha- that have recognized that, you know, building a, a community around people does help to keep them in the sport. And it does to like say like, Hey, like, no, come, come on. Like, we'll get this through. We'll get there together. And there is definitely a form of that in jujitsu. There have been times where like you start to hit plateaus and I've had plateaus. I've definitely had plateaus where I was like, Oh, this sucks. Like I wasn't good at, at so many things. My, my percentage of finishes sucked when I was young in the sport, I couldn't finish people worth a shit. I wasn't good at, but I was good at top pressure. I was good at passing. So there was, there were like little things that I would look for. I, I remember like the first time I passed somebody's goal. And then there was the, the first time I, I caught a triangle. And then there was the first time I, you know, I remember putting the first person I ever put to sleep, to sleep, you know, and, and that shock of going like, oh, I can't believe that that just happened. And it actually frightened me. It was one of those good feelings. Mm-hmm. But then I remember put to sleep my first time and I was like, oh no, that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I guess like seeing it from the opposite side, one that there was definitely a carriage before the horse and I got scared putting somebody to sleep versus being put to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, the community that you're talking about is essential because it is John's wife Zuli is also always at the gym and is like just like always like a, a great presence and at the start of the gym, I think there'd be like sometimes where like I love training, but also like sometimes I love sitting at home, you know, and then she would send a text be like, oh, you guys coming today? And it's so much harder to say no when somebody asks you versus yes. my own self saying no. And so there's definitely been, I think, at least like 10 percent of the time where I've gone where I wouldn't have gone. And then you add that with like the memes and then you add that with like Arturo and then like, you know, like other things and then. Oh, I'm kind of friends with some people at the gym that, and then now it's just like, all right, well, I'm there, yes. you know? Yeah. Yes. And I, I, 
I also think that like our gym has so many good people, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife and myself have definitely worked real hard to keep that cocky attitude out of the gym. And like that, that, you know, we've had, I've seen people that are villains on the mats, you know, like somebody that likes to pick on white belts and things like that. And you start to realize like there, you know, like there are people in this world that are just, uh, it's bullies, you know, like they're, yeah. they're map bullies. Map bullies do exist. And depending upon where you're going, you'll start to realize like, oh, like it's weird that that person's willing to do that over there, but they're not willing to roll with that guy over there. And yeah. it's because of the fact that like, they don't want to take that, that they don't want to take that humbling or anything else like that. And you start to recognize other things. But, you know, like we've worked really hard to keep that vibe out of our school. And I, I really appreciate like the work that my wife has done as far as that goes. And, you know, like, cause most people, the thing about being a black belt is nobody comes, not a lot of people come to me with their problems. You know, it becomes one of those things where like, if I recognize something, like I definitely bring it up, but my wife is a blue belt and she's training. So it becomes one of those things where she's on the mat and she talks to everybody. Mm. You know, my, my wife loves everybody in that gym and she tries to take care of everybody in that gym and if she recognizes something it does help that she does turn around to me and say hey there's this or hey you're not taking care of this or hey you know like be cognizant and Mm -hmm. that does help me pay attention more because i'm not that human being there are a lot of times where i'm in my own head you know thinking about what i'm trying to program for the day what i want to accomplish over the next six weeks for you guys or a few, you know, like month, two months, three months out, you know? I don't, I don't think it's just a belt. I think it's also your beard and you're a big guy. So like you come <laughs> off like intimidating where Zuli will just be like, what's going on, you know? And she's like a little girl and, but she's a grandma too. So she'll also be like, I'm a fucking grandma and I'll rip your leg off, you know? And like she's <laughs> going for legs. So it's like, all right, she could be outlandish. Like we could be outlandish a little, like, you know, and like open and whatnot. And so, yeah, it eases everything. And there's one thing I'll say about the gym when I realized, because I knew you from Capizzi's, but I didn't know that much. And so like, I wasn't so sure, but I I was like, I'm going to go to this gym because everybody from that gym's going. And I just feel like it's Staten Island. And I was waiting a while. And then I think we were hanging out after class and it was like Tugboat Mike and Tugboat Mike is also this big dude with a big beard. Wait, I'm sorry. You're going to have to explain Tugboat. Yeah, he works on so, a Tugboat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Simple. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, you guys were talking about like taking care of people. Like, like he has like outlandish stories where he's like, some one of his friends called him, and there was like a a baby in a crack house, and he goes, "I'm gonna have to adopt this baby," and he like told his wife that way. Like he's like, "I'm gonna," and I was just thinking, I was like, if other people saw these people walking down the street, they would just be like, "These are scary, typical Staten Island goons or something," you know, like big dudes. And then meanwhile, I'm like. These people have hearts of gold. Like, I was like, all right, I'm going to stay at this gym forever. Like, I was like, I love this place. But yeah, you guys have created that vibe, I think. I'm going to say, like, what's what's more to that and speaks more to that is a lot of the people that we have around are helpers. Like, you know, like the Mr. Rogers thing where look for the people that are helping. Mm. Tugboat showed up sight unseen 
sight unseen, hadn't seen me in like a couple years, shows up at the gym when he heard that we were going to open, just shows up. He's like, yo, like, let me pay you. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not taking money yet, Mike, because like the school's not even open, you know? And he's like, all right, like, what can I do to help? I was like, bro, I'm going to, I'm, you know, like I, I need help with, with construction. And he's like, all right, I'll be, I'll be back here to paint tomorrow. So he shows up and he paints or he does this or he does that. And he's just, he is such a good human being. And there are a lot of those. There are a lot of those, you know, like Eric, Eric Medina, you know, this, this guy went above and beyond and he's helped me put up the wall pads. There's, he's helped me with so much construction stuff, anything that, you know, and there are a ton of those in, in our gym that have like gone above and beyond to help the collective mm-hmm. and help my and help my wife and I try to give that back also and like I never thought that I would have like so many good people around and it's it's just kind of great that they are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, been watching Ted Lasso I just started watching Ted Lasso and I love it so I don't know if you guys have watched it but it's like so positive but uh, yeah he's like a soccer coach and he'll be like it's not about winning or losing. It's about like the team and people are like, no, it's about winning or losing. But... <laughs> there is definitely winning or losing. I want to win a fight. I want to yeah. do you for a reason, but there are definitely good vibes that can be associated with that. You know, exactly. and, good... and the vibes lead to you wanting to train more and then you end up training more. So you end up becoming a better fighter without fully realizing it. And then maybe you'll start to win. So it's all part of the, the game. But yeah, I kind of like that uh, long-term thing. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have, I have one more question about just the business side, or I guess, or just like, a, I guess a personal business choice would be, have you seen things that other gyms do or other gyms commonly do, I would say, that you're like, oh, I don't ever really want to do that at my gym. Have you ever come up, like, is there anything like yes. that for you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so like one of the, one of the things that, that like people have a tendency to say is like, we're a jujitsu family. I'm going to tell you, I'm not a jujitsu family. I don't, I don't want to be family. I want to be friends. I want to be friends. You know, I, that a lot of people have shitty families. Don't say that we're family. You know, like nobody, there's not going to be a bad uncle here. You know, I, I think that that's super important. I don't want to be, I don't want to be family. I want to be friends. I, I want, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into the cults culture. I've definitely seen some gyms that have cult culture to them. And I'm not about that. Like I, I kind of, I, so one cringe thing that I've seen is like people that refer to other people as master. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, like, and I've had somebody call me that. And I, (laughs) I heard that for the first time. I'm like, what can I do to get that out of here? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, they called it, called me master. I was like, no, 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 please don't do that. Because that, that's a weird feeling. You know, that, that was an ick, an instantaneous ick, you know, but there, there's also like certain things all, that go along with that too. I, I've seen gyms that are very ish, you know what I'm saying? Like you're definitely going to get CTE training there and they treat your, their white belts as though they're boxing bags or whatever the case is, or, you know, you're, you're, you're going to. You're going to catch an ass whooping in that gym. That's an unwarranted ass whooping. And I've tried to keep that out of there too, Mm -hmm. you know, and recognizing people for what they are and not what people say they are, because you Mm -hmm. can trust somebody when they show you what they are. Don't believe people when they tell you what they are. 
Mm. And I think that there's an accountability as somebody that's that's where I am that I have to recognize that early on. And that becomes one of those in jujitsu, like you start to recognize like the look of somebody when they're about to like shoot a takedown or you'll start to recognize that there's telegraphs for certain things. But there's also telegraphs for people that are maybe like more villainous. You know, and you start to recognize like, hey, I don't want this here. I don't want cult culture. I don't want, you know, like somebody that's going to come in here and and beat up my white belts. I don't want I would rather that person just not show up. And I've had that happen. You know, I've had to tell somebody like, hey, like you're overly brutal towards other people. And I don't understand, you know, or overly, overly shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're I think you're also doing a good job with that in terms of training other teachers, because so I opened up the gym for the open mat and there was like uh, some new people came. And for me, like I was just like, oh, this is exciting. I'm opening up the gym, like, you know, in my head, like I wasn't thinking anything. I was just like, how do you sign the form when new people come in? And then uh, Nino, who's like a purple belt, who's been teaching all the morning classes and awesome. He was like he was like watching people because there was like some young people there and he was like, I got to make sure this guy doesn't fuck with this. And in my head, I was yep. like, shit, like, and Nino's like 22 and I'm 38. And I'm like, and I've taught schools. So like, I just <laughs> haven't done. and I was like, shit, I wasn't even thinking people are going to be mean here or any of this stuff. And so I'm like learning so much from Nino at that point. And, but yeah, like, I think you've, set up even the other teachers now to be thinking exactly that way yeah when i teach class i have to go through that exact same thing man like you you don't want someone that you know has been training for like a month versus the competing blue belt that's getting pro fights and stuff like that you're just like no no no, no. that's not that's not good for either Mm -hmm. you know so yeah you definitely have to keep an eye on things if you just start rolling and don't keep an eye on like what's at hand yeah things can get out of control for sure for sure yeah. should we should we move on to the ufc are you doing good on time john yeah i'm fine okay okay uh, oh i have one more question how's yeah. a new yeah. as a student <laughs> he's inquisitive he he loves takedowns well. loves takedowns <laughs> you know i got my wife in the background loves you know <laughs> loves takedowns but I think that that's part of jujitsu on a whole. Give me one second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is my guy chills. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he he's definitely inquisitive. I, I definitely, he's somebody that wants to conquer giants. So if you're a bigger guy in the gym. Oh, yeah. My, my man Anoop wants to roll with you and he wants to feel like he accomplished something <laughs> that day. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yes. Oh my gosh, you know Anoop so well. I, I mean, there are definitely things about humans that you start to realize and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like this guy this or that guy likes that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you you have part of being a good coach too is speaking to those things and going like, oh, okay, like what keeps this person interested? He likes takedowns, cool. I'll teach maybe like a Uchimata from from you know standing that day, or maybe I'm I'm going down, you know, uh a a sweeping you know, stand, you know, standing foot sweeps versus, you know, like what, what you can train them into and mm-hmm. things like that, you know? So, you know, there's definitely times where you speak more towards that side of, you know, the takedown game. And there's definitely times where you cater more towards the, all right, now we're playing a ground game, you know? Sure. Sure. But you, know, you read me, you read me with the giants thing. Cause for me, it's like, 
if I can't do it against him, then what's the point? Like, I want to do the, like the biggest. Like, that's been a noob with everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always like football, baseball, basketball doesn't matter. Like I would. I the thing I remember as a kid is if I was captain. And I don't know, for some reason, I was always captain of like picking the team. I would never pick the best player. I always wanted to beat the best player on the other team. Like, so it was always like, I'm picking my ragtag team, you know, like, let's go. <laughs> is is that why you why you got into the tech giant game? Yeah. One of these days. Exactly. Uh, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. I think that's a that's a good segue. Should we talk about some of the giants like UFC? Hell and yeah and some of the fights yesterday because i wanted to start with that guy. yeah i wanted to start with that guy val woodburn okay so he was he wasn't supposed to fight bo nickel bo nickel like one of the best wrestlers ever in college history like legend he was supposed to fight some guy and then the guy just canceled a week Trayshawn before gore. yeah Trayshawn gore mm-hmm. and then they called up this guy val woodburn who's seven and oh who's from florida and he kind of became a little bit inter- internet famous when he signed for this fight because he does landscaping. So there's just a picture of him with a chainsaw and we forget people have real jobs. Like same thing you, John, like I'm like, these are killers. They should be doing yeah. real shit. And then meanwhile, they have real jobs and they're regular people. Yes. But he had to go against the best. And he was the biggest underdog ever, I think, in a UFC match. As far as I can remember. Yeah, that's. Bo was minus twenty four hundred. I've never seen that. Yeah, and so you all, you always want to see somebody like that do well. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a shame how that was. You know that 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 was not even competitive. Yep, he got yep. knocked out right in the first minute. He, I don't even think he landed a punch. Really, mm-hmm. how do you think he feels? Like, do you think he regrets doing it? Like stepping up, or it's like to have that rocky moment, like to fight that giant. Like you got to go after the giant. It's like. I'm just curious your perspective. Would you guys have taken a fight like that against somebody that it's pretty sure you're not supposed to win against? It depends on where you are in your life. You know what I mean? Like if you just got this full-time job, you know, you're never not going to do big things as a fighter. Like you could probably get your name out there. I I don't know. It really just depends. Like, yeah, the part of it is like, oh, the guy that versus Bo Nickel, like people know his name now. Like, or just like, hey, that's more than I've ever been paid by this local place. So yeah, I'll take that. Like you just never know. Or just you some think- fighters just don't think, I don't think. And they're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll fight. <laughs> you know, there are those guys too that are like, yeah, I'll take that. Okay. So, I, so yeah, I don't know. I, for me personally, it was just where am I in my life? They'll probably, you know, he, he just took his first loss. They'll probably wind up having him play at least one or two more low-level guys yeah. that are probably coming into the UFC. So I'm not going to say that that's a total loss for this guy. Yeah. They'll definitely have to work a job, you know, whatever the case is, but there are a lot of guys that have actually been in the UFC that have worked jobs. Evan Tanner Mm -hmm. worked a job, you know? So like that becomes one of those things where you have it, where who, you know, like people don't realize when you're first starting out, MMA pays crap, absolute crap. And you do a lot of damage to your body along the way. And going down that line, it's okay, cool. Like, if you get that chance to knock out a giant, why wouldn't you take it? He mm-hmm. probably got five grand for that fight or 10 grand for that fight. That's mm-hmm. probably more than he's ever made in a week or a month. Yeah. So why take that fight, especially as a landscaper, you're not going to, you're not going to say, Hey, I'm making 
Boku Bucks doing landscaping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So it becomes one of those cool, like you're you're just a journeyman worker and you you you're going out there in order to fight. And you gotta love somebody that's willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost a Rocky story. I put like five dollars on it because I was like hoping. I don't know. He just seemed like such a nice guy. I think also the UFC did like a promo of him. He was like walking out of the airplane alone. Like he didn't have any coat. Like he just was. Sometimes you see these movies and you're like, that's not realistic. And then you see it in real life. And they're like, holy shit, this like does happen to. How did you feel about Bo Nickel? Like, do you and who would you like to see Bo Nickel fight next? Both of you guys. I would say that Bo Nickel, so like they keep making him verse people with like similar records to him, right? He's four and oh, five and oh, like just four or five fights. But like his pedigree of wrestling is so large that it's like maybe make him verse a guy that's like 12 and five instead. Or like he doesn't have to be like crazy. You don't have to throw him in the top 10 or even the top or even just any ranked fight fighters yet. I don't think so. Like just get him somewhere in the middle instead of keeping these guys that are just like low level pros and just one fight for the UFC. It it does feel like they're feeding him almost, but like he should be versing guys. I think that I think when you're first starting, when you have like five fights or less, cool. You want an opponent. That's definitely within like three fights experience of you. You know, like I think that's like fair. And then as you get more and more fights, 10 fights, 15 fights. Okay. Now that variance can get a little bit bigger depending on how well you've done. I think you just need to put them against people that have, you know, like 15 fights instead of three, four, five. That's all. I know what that record is. I think that's fair. Yes. Or somebody that at least has a a lot of fights as an amateur, you know, if you have somebody that has a decent amount of amateur fights or something like that, he has a different type of pedigree, hundred percent. But you, if you're going to have somebody that's an elite level wrestler like that, he's going to wash majority portion of a lot of people especially if they're low level and then you add in the striking portion of him going he you know obviously he showed he's got a little bit of power in his hands yesterday so it would be nice to see him actually contend with somebody that maybe does have more fights under his belt yeah i also think it's kind of weird because he has so much experience and i don't know how long can you guys fight for like 10 years and you're fighting every four, five, six months. Like, why would you want to feed him three semi-okay people? You know what I mean? That's 10% of his career. I get it. Like, you want to work to him up, him. but he's not a typical person. You know, he's like yeah. a he's like a legend. Like, push him quicker. I mean, people What's contended that? that this entire UFC card was full of, like, pretty hard favorites. And that this was just, like, a feeder to bigger events. Right? Like... I mean, that didn't go as planned on a lot of the, on a few of these, but like you could contend that. Like, I think like the, the smallest favorite was, I still think like minus three or 400, which is still pretty significant. I think that was Whitaker and he lost. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of crazy. So like, it's weird to see an entire card structured like that. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. Which I think is why people didn't have huge expectations for this. It was a great card. It was amazing. Boy, yeah. good fight. I had I hadn't been that pleased with a set of fights in probably a couple of years. Yeah, Agreed. I I feel that way too. As as soon as Hooker I, Turner ended, I, I even texted him and our buddy Andy. I was like right away. I'm like that fight was incredible. This card is great already. I yes. think that one might be yep. fight of the year. Like to me, I thought that was like fight of the year level. 
Dude, Hooker I, and that was incredible. So there was a point in the Hooker Taylor fight in the, after he got head kicked. Yep. Yeah. He, Taylor did not close it up and put him away, and he got haunted because of it. And like haunting it, the way that I always say haunting is basically like somebody comes back, sticks around long enough, and then they they eat you alive eventually because they they can take that type of an ass whooping and they yep. they they just stick around and. Definitely Hooker showed that he was super hard to finish as far as that goes. And he just gritted it out after that head kick. It was just like he woke him up and was like, oh, cool. This guy showed up for a fight. Yeah, it it was nuts. I I think it's cool to see Hooker do that, too, because he's kind of been up and down since Mm -hmm. his Poirier split decision, which I always find really weird, too, like because that split decision could have gone Hooker's way, too. Like that fight was so close. I think people forget which would have changed the trajectory of everything for MMA because Poirier was off to the races and then Hooker had a downturn. And then his whole career go through another war, but come out winning now after a few losses was like also rewarding for him too against Jalen Turner, who is a guy that people like, Oh, he's a future champ. Like that, that was awesome for me. And let's not forget Hooker broke his arm in the middle of the fight. Like his arm was broken. They showed a, on the, like the x-ray like after the fights I think it was but the thing there. that i also the thing i also loved about it too turner missed weight so he yep. was like 158 pounds and turner's a giant and so like yeah i'm kind of against these weight bullies and then here's hooker taking everything i don't know i'm gonna say like, he he showed up he was 158 pounds dude six foot three yeah he's six three even to have somebody that's uh you know six foot that's 155 pounds yep Means that you are like decked to the gills. You, yep. you know, like you're not putting more muscle on that size frame. Yep. And that is definitely like one of those. If I feel like UFC should make a thing that if you miss weight more than one or two times, that automatically you're bumped up to the next weight category. You're not coming back down. Agreed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yeah. I think it's really shitty when an athlete doesn't make weight and then the other athlete is just basically like that like i gotta accept this otherwise i'm not gonna make the money i get it i make a little bit more money yeah it's just it's such a shitty situation for both fighters too yeah they they have they should have an intervention of that yeah and i think it'll be better for turner's career because this is the second time i've seen him dominate the first and first half of the second round and then kind of get hit and slow down and so maybe it's like an endurance thing and a health thing because he's trying to cut so much. Maybe. Right? Definitely. But yeah, shout out to Hooker. Plus, it just looked like one of those promo because like he bleached his hair and then the bleached hair with the blood in it. Yeah, it just dude. looked like something also out of a movie. Like it just felt like an extra brutal event. There was everyone was bleeding the entire mm-hmm. card. Yes. You've seen all the memes like that he's trying to copy Oliveira, like the back tattoo, the blonde hair. <laughs> Like they're like, oh, he's becoming more and more like Oliveira. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the comeback the, win. You're like, all right. <laughs> the, the best base for MMA is bleach blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Whatever. If you could be like Oliveira, I think Oliveira is my favorite fighter. It's Oliveira and Whitaker. So I guess we could segue into Whitaker. But if more fighters were like Oliveira, I think they'd be making a ton of money. Oliveira doesn't even speak English, and I think it's amazing. How many fans on the internet love him? Because usually there's a bias against people that don't speak English because you don't fully know their character. Yeah. But I feel like everybody just loves Oliveira. Like, and when Oliveira even tried speaking a little English last fight, everyone was like, fuck yeah. Like they just, I don't know. I thought it was positive. Mm-hmm. 
What'd you guys think of Whitaker Duplessis? That surprised me so much. I, I'm not going to say, I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I'm going to say like the first half of the round, I was like, oh, okay, like Whitaker, you know, first half of the first round, I'm like, okay, Whitaker is going to do fine here. Yeah. He's he's, he's going to run through this guy. And then I started to see like little things. And then by the end of the first round, you had it where Duplessis is trying to finish his darts. You know, he, he had already taken him down, mm-hmm. tries Darsh, okay, he's not working. He's pounding him out a little bit, tries to throw in Darsh the second time. Basically, Whitaker got saved by the clock, you know, there. And then that ran into the, the second round. And, you know, that I definitely think that, that that amount of pressure, when you're in front of that many people and you start to, to kind of take that ass whooping a little bit, it definitely leads into a different form of mental torture too and mm. some guys come back from that and some guys don't you know and i don't know i i can never fathom what that's like i feel like whitaker's come from come back from that exact yeah. thing though like you know he's always like fighting these monsters and succeeding and then when when duplessis went for that darce it was like the first time i felt like rob was like defending for his life rather than defending yep Yes. And I don't know nearly yes. as much about chokes as you guys, but part of me was like, yo, that feels like he's just fucking overpowering him. Like he's, and I don't know, I got scared as soon as that happened. Yeah, usually don't see Rob on defense. It's usually just countering. Yeah. His wrestling is really good. Yeah, it is. So as soon as that happened, you're like, oh no. Yeah. After the first round, everyone's like, oh yeah, DDP definitely won that round. No question. Rob should come back. <laughs> <laughs> at least in my head i was like oh rob should come back from this i've seen him you know nope duplessis is big you know he's like huge. yeah he, he looks like a truck at his weight right now yeah you know so so to to say like oh okay like here's this guy that's gonna punch you but he's gonna punch you like the way 230 pounder is gonna punch you it's gonna he, he's gonna hit it's gonna hurt for a week yeah you know he's undefeated so, what, what, yeah, when he when he when he originally hit Whitaker, I thought it was a slip. Like I thought that Whitaker slipped originally, mm. and then I was like, "Oh no!" Like here it comes. And then you just saw Whitaker kind of like shell up, and then that was it. Like mm-hmm. there was no fight left in him, and you yep. just saw like he just knocking it out out of the park as far as that goes. You know, closing it definitely. It's I kind of I kind of hated that people were like, "Oh." Whitaker's lost it. And I was like, he's only lost to Adesanya, the champion, and this guy who's a tank. Like, give this guy his props instead of saying that about Whitaker. Yeah. And somebody on the internet commented, I thought it was like funny, Duplessis. They're like, what the fuck is Duplessis' style? And it's like, he keeps his hands up and he doesn't fight until he decides to fight. And then he goes back and stops fighting. And then he said, so it's just, he's dictating the action, but he's so big and strong. I don't know. It was like, and now he has that nose surgery, they said. They said he only had like 10% breathing capability. And now, because his sinuses are open, he could breathe. Dude, so I need like that surgery. Mythical. I need that surgery. I haven't been able to breathe out of my nose for like a decade. And I oh, know really? when I did it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got it from a punch too. Yeah. Sam, I've, I've, my, my nose has been wrecked for over like 15 years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I didn't even know this was like a common yep, thing. Snore at night. Yeah. Like there's no breathing in this nose. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I became a fan of Duplessis after that. I love Whitaker. Whitaker and Oliveira are my favorite fighters. But Duplessis, like, I loved that he was just like, I love Rob. I had posters of Rob on my wall. Like, Rob is... I thought he gave such a, like, a humble, eloquent speech. He made it all about Rob, not even his victory. Even though it's easily the biggest victory of his career. And, yes. then, Adas- and then Adesanya came in. And it felt like a wrestling promo. 100%. Yes. I- it was they bad. Were, it was, it was pretty cringe, man. I couldn't. I was just like, please stop. <laughs> Did you yeah. feel as those cringe too, John? It went WWF real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, like old school WWF. It, re- it gave me the vibes of like George St. Pierre when he came into the cage with Matt Hughes back mm-hmm. in the day where he was, I'm not impressed, you know, yeah. but like. <laughs> I love that, like, by the way. I love what he did. <laughs> but that was that was nowhere near as like, but like they had never really done something like that up until that point in time. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And that was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and then they had GSP do that. And there have definitely been times where I think GSP has been stated as saying like he regrets having done that. Yeah. You know. So like, the way I kind of look at it is like you should let a fighter have their moment. And the fact that he was standing up the way he was standing up and they they kind of like, you, you know, like the cameras went directly to Adiasana and he's standing up the way he's standing up and you could see he's wide eyed and you could tell like the this displeasure in his face and they they bring him into the cage. And, you know, like the one thing I'll say is like during that, that time, Adiasana could be as cringe as he wants. He's allowed to say whatever he wants as far as that yeah. goes. You never know. What, what somebody's going to feel like as far as that type of stuff goes. I've never had to deal with any of, any of that type of stuff. So, and being in the fight game, they want to sell that fight. They oh, want yeah. that fight to be, they want that fight to be a big ticket. That's going to be a cash payday for those guys. Yep. They're going to make a ton of bank on that. And I want them to, but I'm going to say like the rest of the card was so wholesome. It went from Bo Nichols, you know, giving a shout out to his wife and his kid, you know, like hey, she's pregnant, you know, yeah. like whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I can't wait to go hunting again, this and that. And like that type of wholesome, and the other guys being, you know, like DDP being super like pro Whitaker yeah, and all the two having that, that kind of cringe moment with Adiasana. And I was like, ah, oh, man, like, and I like Israel. Me too. I love yeah. I as a fighter, you know, and I, and I, I'm kind of like one of those people that I like the positive aspects of our sport, but it is fighting. So if somebody has some crass words to say, we all know that, you know, it's going to be done. Yeah. I mean, I love the positive aspect of the sport too, but me and Arturo also, whenever we would watch wrestling when we were younger, we loved the bad guys. Yeah. So like, of course, who doesn't love a villain story? Yeah, yeah, the bad guys are hilarious. And to me, when Adesanya came in and just started saying the N-word a bunch of times, it was like, you could have been a better villain. Like, all you did was yes, sound like a I Call think... of Duty cringe. Like, it, it just sounded like he was baiting him into saying the N-word, you know? And like, I could, yeah. I could feel Duplessis yeah. smile a little bit, being like, I could say it. Like, but in my head, it was just like, you, you could have been cooler. Like, he's such a great fighter, and he's terrible on the microphone. Mm. And now I'm just like, I want to see you lose. And it's funny because he reposted that video on his own Instagram. So it wasn't even like he was cringe. He's like, I'm going to repost it. It's also like, I don't know. Yeah, I described him as 50% cringe, 100% talented. Yeah. Yeah. But like he is 50% cringe. 
there was a lot of people that looked at the Pereira fight and they were like, oh, I can't believe he did the, the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Pereira's son. But, and he was like, no, I'm petty. I don't care. You know, like, so like you, you can't expect higher, higher, like moral standards sometimes out of people. No, I, know? I wouldn't. I'm like a noob in that. Like, okay, if you're going to be a villain, be good at being a villain. Be I feel like that villain. wasn't good as a villain. Like, you weren't a hero. You weren't a good villain. Like, I don't know. You just, you just missed it on that one. And look, yeah. racial stuff. That's why I asked you yesterday. If you saw great white hype, like racial stuff sells fights sometimes. But make it yeah. good. Like all you did was just sound like yeah. I don't know. It became too easy to root for Duplessis now. Where I was yeah. like, all right, well, I'm gonna. You know, there's the the fact. You know, like when he when he was using the N word and Duplessis turned around, called him boy. I was like, ooh, the son. Yeah, but same thing. Yeah, I. Yeah, like oh okay, like you know, like that becomes one of those. All right, like is this going for that type of tone? Are oh, they, yeah. They still doing oh this? yeah, they're going for it. <laughs> I, I thought that was I thought that was clever. It wasn't so over the top. But it was like son, like you know, like yeah. all right, good, like be a villain like that, like you know, like oh, like that. And Adesanya, you're rich. Like I would have somebody just write lines for me. Like you know what I mean? Like why wouldn't you have somebody to help you do? They have so much money. Like you know, like yeah. throw that on Fiverr and then pick something. But I don't know, whatever. <laughs> great, great people are weird. But at least it'll be exciting and it's something to talk about. And the geography yeah. professor in me likes this whole discussion of Africa sure. and like, you know, like what makes somebody some some like a from This was better for the middleweight not... division though, for sure. Yeah. Yes. It opens it up. It opens yeah. it up. So the other fight of the year, fight of the night category, Pantoja versus yeah. Moreno. That was Good. five rounds, but it felt like twenty rounds. Like I was like my heart. Was oh my god, so much I was like, energy. how do they fight someone? Yeah, thoughts. What do you guys think? I, I picked Pantoja. You know this. I won money on Pantoja. I thought he was the best of the underdogs on the card, although Duplicis, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I just think he's like one of the most talented non-champions there is. He's got a great track record against Moreno, even though Moreno's peak Moreno right now. Pantoja's still a badass. Like To me, I viewed it as a very 50-50 fight. So give me those odds. I'll take that. But yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I only... I scored it personally four to one Pantoja, but people were like, oh, it was split. It was close. And even though I thought the fight was kind of close, I didn't think the match was close. If you know what I mean, like round for round, I'm like, no, he definitely won that round. But like, even though like the overall damage of a fight, I was like, oh yeah, they are both like hurt. And I know I had a buddy of mine that was like, he thought Moreno won. And he's like, man, he was like, I hate the idea of control time. I feel like the control time was weighed too heavily compared to like Moreno's damage. And I'm like, yes, yes and no. Like I, I'm mixed on control time too. Cause like, if you're not doing damage, like should we be held to like the meta of control? Like, like is yeah. dominating position dominant if you're not dominating, you know? So like, it's just one of those things where I'm like, ah, maybe sometimes we weigh the, the BJJ meta too heavily sometimes. But I didn't think that was the case of this fight. I thought he did damage from positions. I thought he was threatening subs when he needed to. I don't know. I thought Pantoja four to one. Did you guys see it as this close? I, I said it was four to one. I didn't think that it was. I didn't think that it was a two three. You know, at all. Okay. Uh, first, first round was definitely Pantoja. Se second round was Moreno. He came back. Yep. That was you know, and I was like, oh okay, Moreno, Moreno like woke up. Mm -hmm. uh, there were definitely parts of the fight where I was like very impressed by Moreno's resilience and his escaping. 
Yes. And, and, and the fact that he was just, you know, he was very composed in a lot of bad situations where I think that Pantoja would have definitely tapped out lesser people than him mm-hmm. or, or put them away. Definitely. And then, but, but Pantoja definitely during that fight, the, I'm going to say that the fifth round was the, the back ride time from the stand from the from standing back control I thought that was bullshit up against the fence yeah I I do understand like you do have to to defend that choke that entire time but like after like the first minute of that time it's just kind of like it wears on the body but it doesn't you you know you're going to survive that yes you know there's very few people that I've seen that are talented enough to finish that choke from that place. Yeah. And so that, that just becomes one of those, okay, like let's take that portion of that out of there. But was more rain necessarily more, more prevalent in that round? No, because the beginning portion of the round didn't go to mind. You can't say like, Hey, that was, you know, like aside from that, that was that a more rain round? No. So I, I had it like four to one Pantoja and I liked Moreno. I liked Moreno as a fighter, Same. you know, and, and that, you know, like that, that guy has all that oomph to him. And, you know, that, that was definitely not that. I was happy seeing Moreno fight somebody different. And I don't know that much about the flyweight division. And then, so when I saw Pantoja won twice against Moreno before, I was like, fuck, he's definitely going to win this fight because he dominated twice. And then it was great to see Moreno, I don't know, at least put up a great fight. I'm sure he conquered some demons. I'm sure there's a little bit, I hope there's a little piece of him that feels good about his Vindic- performance, yeah. you know? Like, he's like, whatever, yeah. I improved. It was like a good testing round. But I like the way you put it, Arturo. Like, he definitely won the match, but the fight was close. Because yeah. I felt like from halfway into the, or even like a good part of the second round into the beginning of the third round, the first two, three minutes, it felt like it was all Moreno. So there was like eight minutes yes. where I felt like that's Moreno. So it felt like the fight was so close, but those eight minutes just didn't match up with the rounds. Right. I always grade yeah. it like so a fight. I definitely think at the end of the second round, everyone thought like, oh, this is switching to Moreno now. He's probably going to win round three, maybe finish in four. Like Pantoja did not look good. He looked like he was getting tired. He had blown out too much. And then to everyone's surprise, just walks away with the third round. Like just keeps just blasting energy from i don't know where he got it from just complete desire because he looked tired but his output was they both they both look mangled moreno's face like i felt bad like his lip was hanging and bottom jaw was like all swollen like it looked kind of grotesque i was like oh like i never seen him he's like a handsome cute kid you know like moreno's got a baby face and there was so many good like counters moreno's jab looked incredible i thought their scrambles were so entertaining there was a couple times where i thought like dominant (laughs) position was gained and they just nope nope and even like just a lot of like their regards and stuff i was like i don't know it 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 was impressive i was like oh dang man like i thought it was gonna get finished yeah, it was a great fight. Loved it. I, I love that fight. I would love to see those guys run that back again. I want yeah. that fight. Then. Yeah. You know, I Poor want Moreno. Every it. fight is the same, though. Like, he, like, just <laughs> grinder, rematch, grinder, rematch. <laughs> Do you think that's... Were, here's taken off of his life by doing that match. There, yeah. He's missing five years of his life from last night. I don't yeah. care what anybody said. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
Do you think partially the fights are really close with Moreno because it's just the flyweight division and they're just smaller and they're closer to each other? Or no, is it just a tight division? Like, do you think it's part of the physical? More, I mean, Mighty Mouse used to run through everybody, so I don't think it's You're the right. division. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like Moreno doesn't have the power in his hands. That's true. That Mighty Mouse had, though. Okay, so like that, I think that that's he. He's more of like a uh, Nate Diaz, where he peppers people with punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, his punching is phenomenal. His striking looked super crisp last night, but it just was. It does not pack that power of here. I'm going to finish you with one blow yeah. or a couple. It also came out that Moreno broke his hand in the first round. I forgot okay. to say that too. So. That also, I'm sure. Wait, did he know I, that or no? I don't know if he knew that, but I just read that. Okay. So well, that changes my perception it. of it too. Like sometimes you break something, you don't know it. Like, but if you know it, okay, it probably hindered you in some. Yeah. Was it his yeah. left hand? You? I don't remember. I got to check. Yeah. But it, I, I just up. saw. He was so prevalent with the with the elbow. Yeah. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. That definitely makes a lot of sense. I, I was I was wondering if that was just the tactic he was using as far as like cutting them up or if that was because he had an issue with his hand. Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit of both. Cause it looked like he practiced that cause he was hitting that and he was connecting the entire time. Yeah. Uh, all right. I guess to the main event, but like, it's crazy how the first five, Oh, and we didn't even talk about Robbie Lawler, how he won. Like that was such a feel good, wholesome thing too. So, but then, then yeah, we get to, to see a person finally leaving the UFC on a high note. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know, because exactly. half the time they water wrap, you know, like, oh, goodbye. Sorry, you have CTE from your last fight. Yeah. yeah. Or it they just nice. beat him to a lion, too. Yeah. yeah. And Future especially line. to have that win, anyone in Robbie Lawler's era did not go out gracefully either. Like, so, like, especially considering from, like, how long ago he started, that's the best cap off ever. Scariest dude. Ruthless. Yeah, let's let's talk about Volk, Volk. and Yair. Hmm. What did you guys think? It wasn't a good night for Mexican champions. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. I, I thought Volk did... Ex- I, I, thought, I expected exactly this from Volk. I thought he was going to go the route of takedowns, which he did. I don't, I don't think he meant to, but it ended up going that way. I thought he was going to implement that like right away, go for takedowns. Take Because I feel like Yair's strategy to win would probably be some unorthodox wild striking that he normally does and probably early on would be like his best avenue. So I think Volk would just probably wear him out early with takedowns and grappling and control so that he wouldn't have the energy to do his crazy kicks or whatever else that might catch him off guard. But the fight actually was more entertaining than I expected. I expected Volk to kind of just mostly walk through him. But it was entertaining, and I'm glad Volk got his win. But yeah, I wasn't expecting too much from Yair. But yeah. I don't know. I I really enjoy watching Volkanovski. Like, I think that people underestimate like what he does as far as far as like people down. He'll he'll bring in somebody that you know has similar striking to you. He'll bring in somebody that is a brain as far as like dissecting positions or 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 you know like craig jones i'm gonna tell you craig jones comes out of dds you know like 
and Danaher taught all those kids how to see and, and, you know, like to look at positions and to look at what your problems are from those positions. So like at the very least, what's going to happen is you're going to look at something with an inquisitive mind and say, how can I cure this? So it, it was nice to see, like, he put him right up against the, against the fence. And not only did he crowd the space, but he made it so that Yair couldn't use his body in any way, shape or form for that first, like, couple minutes because he was bent up and twisted. Because yeah. once you put that pressure into the neck, the person can't move. So he used the fence positioning really well. And then when he realized that that wasn't working for him in the first round or two, he brought him into the middle and he never let him cage escape again because mm-hmm. he realized like, okay, like hold on one second. I was having like, this is, this is creating a problem for me. He brought him into the middle, used that during round two or whatever. And then at the, at the end, when he, when he finally had, had Yair rocked, that was when he put him up back up against the fence because he bounced him off the fence, did his double leg takedown real quick, super well rehearsed, took him down, pounded, you know, hit technical mount, hit him a few times, and then that was that. And it was nice. It was, you know, like everything about what he did was super, you know, calculated and just very typical for some for someone that has your number. Mm-hmm. And it was good to see, like, he wasn't scared of the stand-up exchanges no. at all. Yeah. Even being a shorter fighter. He's always the shorter fighter and always does so freaking well. I mean, his reach is pretty long for his height, but he's always at a severe disadvantage in size versus everyone and still does it so well. Anoop will tell you this. I've been on the Volk train even before that first Holloway fight. The first Holloway fight where everyone was like, oh, Holloway's going to take him. No problem. Like, nope, I'm actually betting on Volk. Everyone thought I was crazy. And here we are. Years later, Volk is legend. I always underestimate Volk. Always. <laughs> I'm always like, uh, I didn't think he was going to come close to Islam. And then he did. And then like, and then I was like, probably going to have like an adrenaline dump because he just faced the best lightweight in the world. So now he's got to fight this like featherweight who throws crazy kicks. I can see him. I can always figure out a way that Volk could lose. And he never does. Like, yep. I was like, I can see that. Like. It's just amazing. Like, I don't know. Alexander the Great. I also just learned that his nickname in uh, when he was in Australia and he was fighting was the Hulk. Like Hulkanovsky. Mm. And I could see that too. Like he just puts his fucking head down. Like the closest he was ever to losing was Ortega. And how did he get out of that? Just will. Right? Oh, like, he didn't, like he just willed his way out of danger. Yeah. It's amazing. He's, he's definitely somebody that holds, you know, like holds it together very well under pressure. And he, you know, he's, he's a talented guy, a very talented guy, man. You know? Yeah. Seeing uh, the way he trains all of his videos from city kickboxing and his other videos that he's sparring with other guys and stuff, his work with Craig Jones, seeing him coach on the ultimate fighter, everything he's done, like it's always seems like the highest level. So I think people just, people are respecting him, but I think now it's like people can talk about like, Oh, are we because it's also arguable that like people thought he beat Islam. Do we really have the greatest right now? He's one of the pound for pound greatest ever. He has yeah. to be. And and that's why I love that he tested himself against somebody bigger like Islam. I wish more fighters did that because even in a loss like that blows up his record. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm biased because I didn't rewatch the fight. But while I watched the fight, I was like, he definitely won just because I think we all wanted the little guy to win. And yeah 
even if he didn't win, the fact that it was that close and Islam was breathing heavy and the verdict body. scorecards had it for Volk. So really, Take I didn't that know for that. what it's worth. So yeah. the thing I like about Volkanovsky also is he refers to it as work. You know, like this is this is work. Like I'm going to go in. I'm going to go back to work. And like yeah. that's the way I think that you you know like there's a lot of people out there that want to get into the fight game or doing the fight game, and they're surprised that you know like they they come into a jujitsu gym and they think that the, it's going to be like hey like this is this is the way that I wind up doing getting to the UFC or whatever the case is, but they don't realize that there's a work ethic mm. with this that this is work. That if that's what you want, you have to do, you know, two to three sessions a day easy. You know, you have to you have to put in so many man hours in order to get to that stage that, you know, and Volkanovsky is like, no, this is work. Like, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to go get my show, my arm operated on. And as soon as I'm done with having my arm operated on, I'm back at work. And like, I, I love that type of mentality because it it really is about consistency and like that's the thing consistency over everything because it's a superpower most people suck at being consistent with things can you consistently stay away from a, a package of cookies you know because i can't <laughs> i fucking love cookies did <laughs> you can you can you consistently stay away from from this or can you consistently do this can you consistently wake up every morning you know who's great at this and i always say it my wife is great at this my wife does not She's 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 not somebody that has motivation. She's definitely the most disciplined individual I've ever met in my life. Mm. And I hate it sometimes. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, she's totally showing me up right now, you know? But it's it's nice to see Volkanovsky work like that. And he he had that that very humble outlook of this is work. And I think yeah. he said that in the post fight interview, or something like he's like, I think uh He's like, I believe in myself. I'm a champion. But guess what? Next week, I'm in the gym. Like, you know, and he's like, and I think he also said the same thing. He's like, I got to get surgery on my arm, but I'll work out around it. So I can just imagine him running and working on his endurance. Like, oh, I'm not going to let my arm stop me from just how do you not root for that, dude? So do you yeah. think him? what do you think about him versus Taporia? I mean, I it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, Taporia is good. I could see Alex losing. I always think the same thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, eventually he's going to lose one of these times and I'll be right. But. He just keeps winning, so it's awesome. But I don't know. I think it'll be close, but probably not, right? Because I'm always wrong. Yeah. Leo Tepoya <laughs> looks really freaking good. But again, Volk looks incredible. So, yeah, I'm going Volk, but I do think Ilya is really good. It's either Ilya or Islam. I just want I, – I like Volk. Yeah. <laughs> you got – it, it's hard to root against somebody that you really enjoy, yeah. you know, and I enjoy Volkanovsky. Do you think they you would know? go Islam over Taporia? I think there was a chance they were talking about it because Islam is supposed to fight in Abu Dhabi in October and they don't know Ooh. Charles Oliveira can't Charles. fight. Oliveira can't fight because he's like hurt and he needs time to heal. And then Gagey and Poirier are fighting at the end of this month. Yeah. And they don't know if they're going to be healthy enough after their war, if they're going to fight. Yeah. So basically, yeah. there's not that many people that could fight Islam. Yeah. And, and they're worried and about. Definitely Volkanovsky doesn't have a lot of damage from last night. He kind of. It's just that surgery he was talking about. Yeah. So yeah. the surgery is not so big. It's dependent upon how long it's going to take. Yeah. Rehab wise. They said it's a chip in his elbow. 
So he's got to take the chip elbow out. or shoulder. Elbow. He can't elbow. fully extend his left arm. Yeah. That doesn't sound like something that's going to take a long, long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So if he gets it soon and then what, then he rests July and August, September, October. It's close. It's cutting it close. Yeah. I was going to say like, you know, they used to do that, that stuff. I don't know if they still have those guys on, on the, the second that you, you're, you're off the roster, you're back on, you're, you're back on, you know, like getting stem cell injections and things like mm. that in that arm mm. in our healing process. So, you know, that becomes one of those. I would love to talk to one of the doctors that does that type of stuff that specializes with those types of fighters. Mm. You know, we could talk to one, I think. Yeah, Yeah, we got to find somebody. I need some stem cells. That'd be cool. (laughs) Oh, I know guys that get it done right over the border here in Tijuana and stuff all the time. I can, we can definitely get a doctor on. And that is a great point. Like, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. We should talk to one. Yeah. I would love to know what the turnaround time is like versus like when you have a surgery and when you, you you know, like you have a surgery without stem cells or without any type of tinkering as far as like they're giving you HGH or any, any other stuff and when you actually have a surgery and they are like hey here's a multi cocktail of good stuff yeah you know yeah. just no yeah i don't know how what it is, is in new york for you guys but i know a bunch of guys that run so much gear really <laughs> guys like i wouldn't even expect either when like, you say uh, run you mean they're taking it or you mm-hmm, mean selling it mm-hmm, a lot no like taking it i don't oh, know okay. anyone selling it but yeah, I don't know a lot of I don't know a lot of guys that are on gear. I know like I know that when I was up in certain other gyms, that there were definitely a lot of a lot of stuff going around. Like I used to know, you know, like when I went to certain places that have more pro fighters and certain, you know, like you know, certain schools are known for certain types of things. Yes. So that, that's that's more. I, I think that that needs to be prefaced there. You know, like if you're going to a place that has a lot of people that are pro fighters or they, they, they intermingle with pro fighters, that there's probably going to be more gear in that gym or around that area Yeah. You know, because who wants to keep up with who? And you'd be surprised like what people are willing to take. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, like uh, it's almost comical. Some of the guys I know, I think it's also because we're so close to Mexico and I think that that ease probably does it and then socal is kind of a hotbed like we do have pros everywhere so like yeah but it's surprising how open athletes are now about it well one because a lot of jiu-jitsu guys aren't even like tested so i think they just don't care but uh, yeah some guys are comical about it. i had one guy who was really funny where he was asking his doctor because i think he takes what does he take he takes like tren oh and he's on testosterone like, geez, that sounds like so much. Like, he, you're like 27, dude. Like, what do you? And he's asking his doctor, and his doctor doesn't agree with about it. And he told he told me this. He goes, "Oh, the line that I used to that doctor is like, what are you jelly? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> are you just jealous?" And I'm like, "Oh, bro, yeah, some guys are just meatheads, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that that's that's something that's more definitely more prevalent towards the area that you're into. Yeah, because you know, back back in the day, I, I used to know somebody that, that was out that way. They go run down quarter tacos, dollar beers, and yep. then hit up the pharmacy. You know what I'm saying? And come come on back. Yep. You know, so 
it, it just becomes one of those things where it becomes a, a standard, you know, yeah, here, wild. here it's not super accessible. Although I've, I've definitely, you know, TRT amongst guys that are over 40 is, sure. is definitely, you know, yeah. but not super much on the, on the trend wagon or, or anything else like that. Yeah, that HGH, was- like I'm, I'm, it, it is surprising the amount of people out here that are on stuff. And then some people like, you might assume because like they can look the part almost, but then there's a lot of guys I know that don't look the part at all that are on yes. a bunch of stuff. Yes. But some of those guys have like fucked up hormones because of some of the stuff that they've done. Oh, I'm you sure know, like, they do. Yeah. If you're, if you're doing tests, you know, you have to have something that's going to, you know, make minimize the amount of estrogen that's coming into your, your bloodstream definitely like your 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 hormones are going to be up and down and that that that's what causes the the roid rage I you know, know? The, i try to tell these guys all the time i'm like do you understand like the repercussions you're getting for like the rest of your life like are you thinking long term like i know you don't have no. kids but you probably will someday and you just try to like equip these like younger guys like are you sure dude yeah i don't think they just look at the cons at all though i don't know but well, in terms of like professional athletes I do give them a little bit more leeway because I'm like, all right, this is their job and livelihood and they do have to recover and stuff. And I'm always like, ah, I, I get that. Nothing and, takes a beat. But the like- local guy, like the local blue belt and stuff, I'm like, what are you <laughs> doing, dude? What? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm the local blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, man. So I don't know. I, I have a little bit more leeway if they're like a pro athlete. I'm like, all right, their livelihood is already so volatile. And I guess, yeah, like, you know, you have that personal choice. Like, you are going to fuck up some things in your system, but, like, there's a price for that. You're making money, at least. You're one bad showing away. You're always one bad showing. If you're a pro, you're always one bad showing from from the end of your career. Yeah. yeah. So, like, like I don't even, like, look at it in, in the same way. I totally don't agree with what the UFC standard is for, like, you know, they said, oh, okay, we got rid of the TRT. You know, I I don't agree with that. I don't agree with a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I do think that there should be periods of time where athletes are allowed to cycle on and off or something like that. And and that's just my my personal opinion. And that's mm-hmm. not coming from somebody that does steroids because I don't. But I do think that if if your livelihood and it it becomes one of those things where you have a broken arm, great. That's the price of having the type of job that you have. However you should be able to heal up a little bit quicker. And I don't have an issue with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's whatever. I'm imagining myself now taking steroids just so I could like do good on the mats on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, between like six and eight 30. Like, that's, so I'll Dude, I know guys, man. Like it's health. wild. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like you don't understand. Alex keeps <laughs> fucking tapping me. <laughs> you know? so it's just like, okay. I'm on so I can get my stamina up. I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking trends so I can like just look good in general. And maybe like I'll 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 take some tests with it. So you know, just so like I don't run out of energy. I'll just feel like I could keep going a little bit or whatever, right? <laughs> when I was younger, it was mostly about the looks, why I would do steroids. But then I was like, if it's gonna mess up my hair and mess up my skin. 
Am I really going to like look better? You know? And then so, I like, love the vein approach of that. That's so good. It's It was a hundred percent the vein. I was like, I could have bigger <laughs> muscles and look bigger, but then the things that I am decent at will look worse. So I was like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till 45. When you get back acne, you, you know, like your girl's going to be like, hey, this feels weird. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> it's be like New York oh, yeah. City on your back. You know, you go go take off your shirt and it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, this was good, man. Yeah. Yeah, good talk. This was I really enjoyed my Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Pleasure to meet you, man. That was awesome. Always, always a pleasure. I'm, I'm just going to do a quick shout out to my guys at Richmond County. I love all you guys. Shout out to my wife. She's the person that takes care of us. You know, she day in, day out. That's the person that I got to say takes care of me the most, you know, and she takes care of my gym and she takes care of my family. You know, I that that's the, the most special part of my life. And I love that, you know, and I don't get a lot of time with her because of the, the, the type of thing we do, you know, so that's that's a big thing. Shout out to my boy, Mike from Protect Your Neck. You know, yes. that's that's my guy over there. And shout out to Rory at Rekindle because, you know, you're always dope. You know, and, and uh, I'm, probably, I'm probably skipping some guys, but whatever. <laughs> right on. But yeah, highlight to Mike as well, because Arturo just bought some gear from Mike and then Mike sent in some extra stuff and a nice note. And always, the best, a, man. always the best. Not, Love always, the gear. Always yep. support and protect your neck. Yep. Yeah. And Mike uh, is. No, sorry. Neck yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you. Same thing. I love everybody at Richmond County. So hopefully they're all listening and look forward to seeing them. And thank you for all the coaching and knowledge and everything. Tutelage. This was good. We'll do it again. Thank you, bud. Thank you so right much. On. Have a good one. Have a good night, right. John. See you Tuesday. Yep. See you Tuesday. What do you want to learn? <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Takedowns. <laughs> Jokes and takedowns. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Love it. Later. Later. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.